Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Young Justice Season 3. Before we do that, but you want to tell the folks what it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we like to talk about games. But we also like to talk about TVs and movies. We haven't talked a lot about games recently, though I'm going to want to change that because we'll talk about this in the back half. I've been playing some shit recently. Um, but today, we're talking Season 3 of... Young Justice, which we've done the first two episodes uh, pretty recently. So, like, this has been a pretty bingeable se series from us, right? Um, probably all three se seasons, you know, inside of the span of a month or two, right? Um, so, so yeah, I'm very excited yeah. to talk uh, Young Justice Outsiders. It's like the colon. All of the Young Justice seasons have, like, a... The first one is just Young Justice. Then it's Young Justice Invasion, because it's the Invasion of the Reach. Then it's Young Justice Outsiders, because it's, you know, the formation of the Outsiders, or whatever hashtag else. Outsiders. Yeah, hashtag we are all Outsiders, as Garfield Logan would say. Um, the most interesting thing on a background scale, for context, is that this is the season that came... Okay, so Young Justice comes out the first two seasons on Cartoon Network, and the second season is butchered because Cartoon Network airs the first eight episodes in order and then takes a huge break airing those episodes as reruns just willy-nilly essentially then it comes back and they air basically the rest of the series out of order which i think are 20 episodes like 23 episodes or something that are that are out of order and at weird time slots i think they changed time slots like three or four times so fuck nothing not fox cartoon network killed this show basically right um you know, they, they basically had the season order. This thing kind of thing happens in TV all the time. They have the season order in. They put it on, you know, a night that nobody's going to watch it. Nickelodeon tried to do this to Avatar, actually, because Friday night is where you do this. Um, they, put it on, they, they put it on Friday night. They, they just try and tank it into the ground, basically. Um, which works. It gets canceled. No more Young Justice. But Young Justice is so popular that Netflix buys the rights to, to Young Justice and they start making a season three, which then ends up in a legal battle with Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers makes its own. This is the DC Universe app that predates HBO Max. Um, they're making their own streaming service and they want, they want Young Justice for that. So they buy their own rights back out. They like, they close their contract with Netflix and buy themselves out of that contract so that they could put it on um, on the DC Universe app. It is kind of the flagship, you know, season three of Young Justice on the DC Universe app. And then it gets, you know, brought into HBO Max where they're now doing a fourth season, which I think is subtitled Phantoms, um, which is actually theoretically pretty soon because I think almost all of the episodes are in the can as of the last update. Um, there are a lot of, I would say, markers that confirm this. For instance, it is so much bloodier than what they had on Cartoon Network, which is like the number one thing people notice about and talk about, um, specifically when it comes to a singular character. But that is the that is the background for you know for the creation of Young Justice Outsiders. Yeah, and you know, just fair warning for every, or let, let's do a a pre spoiler review, but we'll move pretty quickly into spoilers. Um, I think, like, you know, what's your overall uh, evaluation of this season and, I guess, stack rank it? Uh, I really love this season. I think all three seasons of Young Justice are good, but it's, this is probably the weakest of the three of them. And it's yeah. sort of the weakest of the three of them in the way that I am most willing to forgive. Because it's that kind of thing where it's like, you can tell they sort of gave a creator sort of carte blanche. 
and they let loose, right? All of the problems that are in the previous seasons are... Actually, it's not, that's not quite true. Most of the problems in the previous seasons are here as well, and they are worse than they were in those seasons, right? Um, but also, a lot of the good stuff that is simmering underneath like the young justice surface has come to has kind of boiled over and like they those moments are great and awesome and uh sort of you know i don't know just like the most fun the big thing i think that drags the season down is that the core cast gets shifted again and for kind of the first half of the season we're mostly following you know brian markov geoforce we're following halo um or like Violet, we're following Forager, uh, you know, uh, Fred Bug from the, you know, sort of from the New Gods so, or whatever. So and I think that cast is weaker than the, you know, than the cast in both season one, focusing on the core six and season two with adding folks like Impulse, Blue Beetle, right? Um, you know, the drama between Aqualad and Tigris and all that other stuff. I think all that stuff is stronger, kind of at its core. Okay. So I, I would say that I think this is pretty good. I think I, I like this season better than season one. I'm not sure about season two because I think I agree with you. I think the highs are higher and the lows are lower. And I think there are a couple there are a couple of things that stuck out to me in the season that are ultimately like little things. Um, like I you know in in the grand tradition of me watching this, I streamed some of my thoughts uh, to Buddy over this, <laughs> and, and some of them irked me a little bit more, but like, they were ultimately for, forgivable things. Um, I think I agree with you that, like, the, the kind of, like, creator run amok thing is definitely true. And I think, for that reason, I might say it's better than season two, because, like, it, you kind of talk about this sometimes, you know, like, uh, aspiration versus execution, right? Yeah. Like, um, and I don't think the execution downsides were bad enough, right? Like, um, like, like I talk about, like, hating the teen bullshit in season one, and they brought that back a little bit in this one, um, but it was fine, right? It wasn't bad, um, and it was relatively limited, with, with maybe, like, one exception, um, but I don't, otherwise I think it's pretty good. Also, um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say we should transition to spoilers now. Um, sure. um, oh, I just, just to give a ranking, my ranking is probably season one, two, three. Um, just to like put it on the record, which is, I would say that's probably what most people, uh, like who are like in the young justice fandom agree with, um, that those three seasons in that order is probably like the, it's like the canonical maybe, like kind of how people say Empire, you know, it's 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 five, four, six, yeah, or whatever yeah. in Star Wars kind of fandom overall, right? right? Most people like the first season because it's it's very focused on that main cast. Um, the second season, people also enjoy it, obviously, and then the third season, you know, getting away from sort of like the main cast. There's not as much drama between, you know, Superboy, Miss Martian, Nightwing, right? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, the core drama is carried by other people that tends to like alienate. Which you know is what it is. Yeah, no, I, I, as I think I I, I, I uh, sent to you, right? And I guess we'll start moving <laughs> to spoilers. Is like, you know, it's like, why do they keep adding new characters? Oh, so they keep having tragic backstories to, to mine for for content. <laughs> also, I am doubling down. Wally's coming back in season four, like absolutely. Oh! Are you, okay, that's the big one. So, you know, so obviously, spoiler warning, that's the big one. You were wrong about Wally, right? He doesn't come back. I, so I was wrong that he doesn't come back, but I think I'm definitely right about season four because otherwise they don't make that they don't make that episode and explicitly make it fake, right? Like, they make, they make the closure episode for Artemis 
and the end of that episode is them saying, oh, that we didn't actually bring back Wally's soul. We just, like, let her, like, get closure with herself, right? <laughs> and that's going to be, that is absolutely going to be drama next season, right? Like, I was, like, like I was, I was about to say, you know, okay, this is way too, this, if it's, if it's his soul, then he's definitely not coming back. I was wrong. But then the fact they reveal that it's fake, it's like, oh, they're bringing him back next season. Like, like that's the only reason why you call it out as fake. <laughs> I think, I really, see, I think that the reason you do that is because sort, sort of, thematically, that's the best closure that you can get, right? Like, that's the best that that Artemis can get, is to come to terms with this via kind of her own sort of imagination and taking a moment to grieve. Obviously, there's the supernatural element of, like, so, you know, Miss Marching psychically creating the space, but I think that there's something a little bit, you know, kind of poetic uh, about... I, uh, <laughs> I would agree with you if a repeated theme of every season wasn't, like, noble lies always backfire. Right, like that—that that is like a continuous oh, theme. Oh, that's of the clever. I, you know, interesting. You're right. You're right about that. Um, especially, especially this season, right? Which was like the whole. It's like, like outsider stuff, mostly fake, right? Like we faked it all. It's like, what the fuck, guys, right? Like, like you know, and I'm glad that they pulled that back because, like, the, like you know, as soon as they reveal that it, that it's all fake, you know, it's gonna be mine for drama later. But I think I think they did a pretty good job of. Uh, of resolving that. I mean, mm -hmm. like all the other seasons, I think things resolved a little too quickly with a few two deus ex machinas, but I feel like that's just like a cartoon TV show problem. Yeah, I, I see. I agree. This is part of my thing where it's like the downsides are worse, but the upsides are better. So I think the deus ex machina of like, oh, Batman read, <laughs> they say in line, it's like, Batman read your micro expressions. <laughs> they could tell you're fucking lying. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, I hope, you know, imagine being like Robin and, you know, you've been out late and you're drinking with your buddies at because, you know, you're a high school and you show up at the house and Batman's like, where were you? And you go, oh, I was studying at the library and he reads your micro expressions because Batman has the superpower to always tell when you're like, that was dumb as fuck. But, <laughs> but like on the, on the flip side, the thing where Brion murders Baron oh, yeah. Bedlam was like, oh, what a holy shit moment, right? Especially because they did it the first time. That was the thing that I, I was on such a roller coaster the first time I watched that episode because like they do it the first time and you watch and Brion clearly wants to do it, but he like backs off. He like, he listens to the reason. This is the thing that the show expects you of. And then he breaks out again. And I remember at the time thinking, man, really? We like, he like just did this. Cause he uses even the same move, this like lava pillar thing to like, to like get Baron Bedlam. And I didn't really understand the moment, but I was like, I was like, he's, he's just doing the same, it's just the same thing, right? <laughs> but then this time he murders Baron Bedlam and I was like, oh fuck. Holy shit. I think that is the best of any of these sort of like, you know, reveals or whatever yeah. um, that they've done. Like these kind of like super late in the game kind of uh, twists on the formula. Yeah, I'm also curious to see like, because like clearly this is like this, that's part of the season four arc, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. like they, they give him a little bit of an out, right? It's like, you know, his advisor has like mild influential abilities or whatever. And like, how much are they going to let him out of that? Because kind of let McGann out of a lot over the course of the three seasons. So I wonder if they're going to let him yeah. out of it or, like, you know, force him to, like, live with it. Um, whether he wins <laughs> Hamill back or not, right? Like, um, uh, no, it was, uh, but I agree with you. That was, that was, that was super, super good. Um, and, like, I was wondering, like, if they were going to, 
I, my, so my money initially was on the like that the Terra thing was gonna get was gonna be the thing that happened and that got resolved next season. I thought Terra was gonna be that character, but I thought that was a good good switch up, right? Like you know, um, I'm a little depressed about Terra. I've always liked Terra as a character just because she's a pretty unrepentant villain in the comics, and um, she got a lot of. I think most people know Terra through the Teen Titans show, yeah, yeah. right? Most people didn't read the Judas Contract. That's like the name of the like the comic storyline. Um, in the comic storyline, she's like just basically just a straight-up villain um, who infiltrates, like, the team. And I sort of balk at the, like, version of Terra that we get on screen, who is essentially, you know, turned, turned around, right? Because um, that, that seems out of character, right? Like, it's kind of like saying, you know, this version of the Joker is a good guy or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just, like, someone who is historically a villain... But, like, the, their role is to be the mole on the Teen Titans. Actually turning around and being a good guy seems a little off to me. But, like, I think the execution is pretty okay. I also just think that it builds really well over the course of the season, which is part of why I, you know, like, I forgive it. Like, you yeah. really get to see her relationship with Slade and her relationship with her brother and her relationship with the other Titans. Or, I'm sorry, they're not called Titans, obviously. They're called the Team, which I also hate, by the way. <laughs> the Team continues to not have a name. Um... Uh, and so, and so I've like, I, and so I'm a little mixed on, on Terra for that reason. Um, but having, having kind of the, the like the Brionne villain turn is just like it, the, that it's such a big moment that it kind of all, all of the other stuff gets drowned out for me because I feel like that works really well. Also all the stuff with Bla uh, black lightning resolving, I think yeah. on a thematic level carries a lot of the rest of it, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's important that it's Black Lightning who figures out how to beat Lex Luthor in the court of, you know, public, public opinion, opinion when it comes to the UN. Um, I think it's important that Black Lightning is, you know, elevated as the as the leader of the Justice League and that everybody re re recognizes, yeah, maybe forming our own version of the light was a pretty fucked up idea and we should not be doing this. Um, I like all of that stuff. Honestly, it kind of... It's refreshing because I feel like we're in a world with a lot of superhero deconstruction, and this is superhero reconstruction, right? right? Where, like, there is an affirmation that actually superheroes are good people who are noble and do the noble thing, right? Um, and how that is the good thing that is the thing that beats the villains, rather than subterfuge, deceit, you know, consequentialist, the ends justify the means sort of thinking, right? Like, all that stuff. Um, so I feel like those two things in tandem kind of carry the the end of the season. Though in general, I think the back half is better than the first half. Yeah, uh, of of the of the season you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I th mostly this is on Beast Boy. I think once the focus kind of gets away a little bit from Brion and Halo and into the Outsiders, Beast Boy, right? Um, that's what I think the the show sort of takes off. A lot of this is because I just think that like the character of Beast Boy as written in the show is the, the he's like the best of that of this flock of characters. Like I like Halo and I like Brion and I like, you know, Forager and I think that they have a pretty good kind of core and I and I enjoy their dynamic, but there isn't anything to the level of the original six team or even stuff like I really like Blue Beetle in season two, for instance. Um even stuff like Blue Beetle, right? Like Beast Boy is the Blue Beetle of this season. And just like, you know, Jaime took off in the back half of the second season, you know, Garfield takes off in the back half of the third season and kind of carries the rest of it sort of uh, 
sort of with him. Yeah, I, I actually think that's a good good place to talk about what I think is my favorite episode. And what I expect is your favorite episode as well, which is episode twelve, which is mm, like yeah. the, the the monkeys. The, yeah, yeah, the, the the monkeys. Like, which is like a weird reveal for the character, but like the Teen Titans Go parody thing, and that was like fucking dark, right? It's like we're all gonna go <laughs> to the bleakest. It is the bleakest. Thing. You know, I remember there was a tweet. There was a tweet. Uh, where somebody was like, you know, the bleakest thing that ever happened in the DC Expanded Universe was Billy Batson goes and finds his birth mom and his birth mom says she doesn't want anything to do with him, right? That that was darker than anything Zack Snyder ever did, which I think is true, right? This, I had that exact same feeling, but about in Invincible, because I had recently watched Invincible, which is also, like, a pretty dark, bleak, yeah. right? Like, oh, it's, this is the, you this know, is really this like. is the... Yeah, exactly, right? It's like that kind of show. I was like, holy shit, Garfield Logan going through this whole, like, metal trip and them doing this parody of Teen Titans Go, but as a way to deliver the backstory that he joined another superhero team, found a second mom and a second family, and then they all died. <laughs> like, I was, it, it, it was so dark. So, and well, like the, it, I honestly, I think so much of it is carried just by the Teen Titans Go aspect of it, right? Yeah, no, the because bl like black humor, right? Like, yeah, it is, and it is the you know, you know, when I think of when I think of Teen Titans Go, I think of waffles, 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 right? Or I think of like you know, Teen Titans go to the movies, and right. Robin really wants a movie about himself, and he's singing song, you know, like the musicals i'm thinking about them combining the boombox with robin's staff and he becomes their little sidekick beatbox or whatever right like you know it's very lighthearted. it's very good stuff and you're getting it's the exact same animation styles the exact same voice actors and they're and they're one-to-one -one too which i like it's like you know carrie payton who is you know cyborg is robot man or tara strong who is raven is negative woman um you know, and, uh, but then they're just telling the story about how they fucking died. <laughs> and not, not even, like, telling the story, just like, we're gonna die, we're gonna die. Like, you yeah. know, like, in the Teen Titans sing song, you voice is kind of like, Jesus fucking Christ, guys, like, really? Yeah. I think part of it is <sighs> that because, I, I don't actually know the name of the, I don't actually, it's like Greg something. The name of the voice actor is the same between the two. Um, that the Beast Boy in Young Justice and the Beast Boy in Teen Titans Go is the same, it's like, Whoever he is, that that guy just owes. Oh, in the same way that like is you he know, the same Teen is he the same voice as, as the original Teen Titans Beast Boy? Because I feel like it's the mm -hmm. same voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that guy just owns that you know role, right? Like he is the he is the guy for Beast Boy. And the crazy thing is, is how good he is at it, right? You know, talking about like uh, as a voice actor with a lot of sort of like range, like. Beast Boy in Young Justice is an incredibly different character than Beast Boy in Teen Titans Go. Um, but, you know, yeah, they both go... It's two sides of the same coin in a, in a certain sort of sense when it comes to, you know, like the, the performance, right? Yeah. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. Um, Which is interesting, too, because Cyborg shows up in this season and he is not voiced by Carrie Payton, who is the voice of Aqualad and Black Lightning and others, um, and Cyborg in Teen Titans Go. So, like, obviously, right, like, the voice actor for, for you know, uh, or the the version of Cyborg that they're going for here is a very different version yeah, yeah. of Cyborg than the one that, Yeah, this you know. is more like the Justice League version of Cyborg, right? Like, the, mm. the depressed daddy issues, which, another minor issue is, like, we solved all Cyborg's daddy issues in one episode, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it, it, that's also, you have to do with it, go with it, but, you know. Also, he, like, gets taken over by the father box, like, four times. Um, 
There, I remember thinking there's, I, I, there's at least two points when Halo says to the team, "I've disabled the father box, and it's no longer, you know, it's no longer affecting him or whatever." Um, which I think is fine, right? Like, yeah, I, th th that's a cool thing. But then it comes out, it's like two episodes later, he goes on a rampage, he goes on another, like, killing spree, um, which I was like, oh, so that was, so okay. So, I, I think it's more forgivable because the in the first episode where it happens, she does it twice, right? Like, mm -hmm. like it takes back over him again, so it's like, okay, this is not necessarily a resolved thing. Yeah. Right? I like that it's a father box, by the way. Like, the, the interesting thing is that mother boxes and father boxes are not, like, comics lore or they are sort of a little bit mostly mother mother boxes are definitely like comics lore and there's a lot of mother boxes all over like the you know the, the dc comics um but then father boxes don't show up until way later down the line um where the it's just sort of like teased and hinted at so the thing that creates cyborg in most iterations is a mother box right like the good this good version um of the living computer or whatever so the i i i really enjoyed the father box kind of subversion where like he is not just grappling with like the because like the typical cyborg conflict is like is he man or is he machine right, right. um but uh in this it is also, the machine is, like, living evil. Yeah. You know, it's trying to kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th that character that they, like, steal the chair from, um, that's, like, Mo Morbius or something? Mobius? Oh, Metron. Yes. Metron, Metron is a, yep, he is a deep, deep character in the lore. Also, they mention a couple of others. They mention Gog and Magog, which are also incredible deep cuts. So the the Apocalypse and New Genesis are what are called, they're the new gods or the fourth world. The thing about the fourth world is that there are other worlds pre like predating them, right? There's the third world, the first world, the second world. The only one we have any details on is the third world, which there is one god remaining, and his name is Gog, like G-O-G, um, which I think is a Bible reference or something like yeah, that. Like but there are, the, you, you don't see or hear of Gog or Magog, but both of them are referenced in the season as, like, they exist. They are they are out there. And so I sort of wonder if they're going to do anything with, you know, the third world, the, the, the version that predates the fourth world. And then also, by the way, the fifth world comes to be later down the line, when um, there's sort of an apocalypse between uh, apocalypse, well, there's an apocalypse between apocalypse and New Genesis, where you know, like Dark Side and High Father kind of finally clash, um, and the fifth world is born when the spirits of those gods then become nestled in humans, uh, and like Dark Side is like trapped in a human soul. Uh, and the fifth world is born on. This is all from the comic Final Crisis, which is very good, but everybody hated it. But I'm right, it's very good. Um, the fifth world, like, happens on Earth, which is like a whole thing. Yeah. Um, and that, that sounds about right. So I, 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 I Googled it real quick and I knew the records from somewhere. Gog and Magog are in the Hebrew Bible, the Christian Bible, and the Quran. And in the Christian Bible, they're in the Book of Revelations, which is kind of like the, the end time stuff. Uh, okay. So, so yeah. The reason sense. Magog is interesting is because he. So there's a there's a an an Elseworlds title called Kingdom Come, um, which came out in the '90s. Is it's painted by one? Alex. I'm sorry. What is that? The medieval one, or is that no, 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 no. Okay. It's uh, it's like uh, it's sort of like a, a DC Watchmen sort of thing. Okay. Um, the story of Kingdom Come is um, a new hero shows up. His name is Magog. 
he is uh he's like a former soldier so he's like a hard ass and um the joker kills lois lane and superman doesn't get to the scene at the time like the joker unleashes joker gas on the daily planet something or whatever and magog shows up before superman does and he kills the joker on live television and superman takes magog to court and says you murdered him and uh the the court favors magog they say no like the you know the he was he was he was enough of a danger yeah he yeah he was in enough of a danger which meant that superman essentially like lost and that it was now legal for superheroes to kill supervillains um and then the story that's all in the backstory and then the story takes place 20 years after that superman has isolated himself from the world but wonder woman comes out brings him out of hiding he has a whole thing with like batman is also doing stuff and it's like an alternate future with like all of these like implications or whatever. This is why Magog is famous. He was invented for this story to be that character, right? Um, which is what's so interesting about his name showing up here and also Gog's name showing up here because Gog is the being who gave Magog his powers. Um, you know, so King, King, Kingdom Come as Kingdom Come as a title is a biblical reference, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that makes sense, right? Like he's like an agent. An agent of, of the end times, I guess. That, 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 makes, that makes sense. Yeah, the, the, what, what ends up happening is there's a, huge, there's a huge thing. Okay, so Superman has a faction of superheroes, and then Batman has a faction of superheroes, and they're all, like, fighting for, for over, over this stuff with, with Magog and all of the, you know, doing shit. Can you be good? Can you be bad? Superman makes a gulag. It's, yeah, it's all a thing, right? <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. Um, maybe, maybe we should get. Yeah, back they to literally the show. call it the Gulag, which is where Superman takes all of the superheroes, the superheroes that are murdering supervillains. But like the line between hero and villain are very lax right. at the moment because they're all just murdering everyone, right? They're all just murdering one another. Superman takes those people and puts them in the Gulag, and then um, has them fight each Batman. other, and then whoever wins gets to go back out. Yeah, and then well, and then Batman breaks the Gulag open, or maybe like Lex Luthor breaks the, somebody breaks the Gulag open, right? Um, and there's a big superhero clash, and the UN nukes Kansas, where this big clash is happening. Uh, and Clark kills, Kent puts a fucking kills, Gulag kills, in Kansas. Yeah, really on his, on the Kent farm, actually. This is lore. This is a widely... This is a great book. Everybody loves, like, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, which is, by the way, is ultimately reconstructive. People call it deconstructive, but they don't... This is not Watchmen. People say deconstructive deconstruction too much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the point of Kingdom Come is that Superman is correct, right? Um, and that, you know, the, the process of kind of, like, pulling back from those darker impulses is hard and it's rough and it is dark. But, like, eventually he is correct and his good nature sort of wins the day, right? Um, that, you know, uh, that there can't be such thing as, as true heroism or whatever. Like, that's the point. Kingdom Come is a... Uh, a refutation of the sort of the Watchmen thesis, um, but uh, but yeah, it is a it is a it is a whole time. It's a trip. It's a book. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's that is interesting. I, I mean, I, to, to kind of bring this back to um, to, to the show to, to Young Justice. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty far out from the show. No, to yeah, be no, but but I, I think there's a thematic through line, right? Because like w one of the kind of like I think kind of continual storylines that gets explored in comic books is like vigilantism good versus vigilantism bad right and this one kind of mm -hmm. comes down pretty firmly on the side of vigilantism good um yeah. which 
Uh, we'll roll into one of my minor complaints about the season, which is um, kind of like trying to make Lex Luthor into Donald Trump. I think just one, I find it annoying, and two, I just don't think it works. Like, a, like that, like doesn't like it doesn't fit his character, right? Like, regardless of what you think of it, like. Okay, so I do agree with you on the level of. I don't like an equivocation between the two because Lex Luthor is very smart and Donald Trump is very stupid, <laughs> you know, I, and like. But like, equivocating one for the other, I, I do think it's bad. But I think that the references are so... But, so, so this, is, this say... is my fundamental issue with it, right? Because, like... Okay, okay. Like, I'll agree with you. Like, I agree with you absolutely. Character Characters don't match, right? Like, the thing that, sure. thing that Donald yeah. Trump taps into is not the same thing that, like, Lex Luthor taps into. But the other part of this is, like... Um, uh, Lex Luthor is trying to use, like, the mechanisms of, like, neoliberal bureaucracy to stop the, the Justice League... Which is like the opposite of Donald Trump, right? Like that. that was... uh, yeah, yeah. But the thing, so my thing is, is that I think it is more a. Uh, I don't think it's one to one, right? I think it's more about specific kind of like tactics, right? You know, Lex Luthor calling stuff. You know, he he like basically quotes Donald Trump no, on no, he, 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 certain he, he, issues where he's like. You know, that's, this is fake news, and I'm going to strengthen libel laws or whatever. Right? Like that's straight out of like whatever. No, but I don't think he's that thing, it is a wonder. I don't think he's an allegory, right? Well, so that's the thing that annoys me about it, right? He has like a handful of times where he just straight up quotes Donald. He he, he says sad. He says, um, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he says strengthen the libel law. He, he like he, he does this a handful of times where he like uh, good people on both sides, right? Like he he uses straight quotes from Donald Trump in situations yeah. where like in a way that just I, I just. The point that the show seems to try to be make just like doesn't work with Lex Luthor as the villain there, right? Like, like, like the, he's not the right character to to him. Like, and honestly, the part about it that bothers me the most is like the idea, like the the kind of like common criticism of Donald Trump is his destruction of norms, which is kind of like the core conflict between Lex Luthor and the outsiders, but like in the opposite way, right? Like Lex Luthor's using the new, like he's using the, like the, the, the international bureaucracy to try and tamp down on the justice league instead of letting okay. good people do good things, which is like the opposite, the opposite conflict, right? You know, like Donald Trump. Yeah. So I, I think I would agree with you if it was a bigger or stronger yeah, no. and I don't think allegory. It, right. Right. And or I don't analogy, think it's a huge, right? huge yeah. deal. It's just the thing that stuck out at me and annoyed me. So, yeah. yeah, like I mostly, you know, my view on this is mostly just that these are both these are tactics that both of them use, right? Of just manipulating the media, right, and like lying or whatever. And I guess maybe they're like they're obviously in, insanely on the nose, and maybe you shouldn't do such on the nose kind of one to one quoting if you're not going to fully sort of make you I know mean, like embody the character on screen. Yeah. If that makes sense, but. I, uh, you know, I don't yeah, know. No, I mean, and, and my personal opinion is, is like you, you kind of, if you if you go for like one to one things like that, and like maybe keeping it, keeping it, less just make people not notice it later. But if you do it one to one like that, you you date your material and you kind of like lock it into it and you keep it from being timeless, right? Yeah. Like, like um, like the like you know the the common one is X Men is is in general about kind of like oppression of of, of minorities, but it's not always so specific. And it's, and the kind of classic versions are very like broad in general which gives them a timeless quality that you can kind yeah, of yeah this make. is like the black magneto thing where uh because magneto's backstory is rooted in he's jewish and went through the holocaust that roots him to a time and a place where people say they should just make magneto black because you that you know 
the American oppression of black people is a timeless thing, right? And you could do a version of that where he's from the 60s. You could do a version of that where he's from the 90s. You could do, you know, et cetera, or whatever, um, which is an argument that I do not like, but it is an argument that, gets, that yeah, gets made. No, I, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't want to litigate that point, but just, just to, to say that, like, you can, you can do the same thing with him being Jewish, just you don't, you don't have to root it specifically in the, in the Holocaust, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but yeah, but you know, like the the idea that minorities are oppressed in different places in different times is a general enough thing that the X Men serves as an allegory for that without having to tie it to a specific place or a specific time, right? Oh, Whereas, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, I, I thought you were specifically referencing the Magneto. No, thing. no, no, uh, uh, no. But I'm, that's fine. Yeah, the the, the X Men hit everything. That that totally makes sense right, to me. Right, right. Yeah, we're, I think I think there's a bit of having your cake and wanting to eat it too yeah. with when it comes to Lex Luthor in this in in this season. I generally love all of this stuff. I think that this is the best version of you know, like there's a whole episode that's just dealt with the politics of sort of like the light, which I love. Oh I yeah, I agree. My favorite episode is the is the monkeys episode, whatever it's called. Where you find out that, you know, like that Garfield is like the chosen of the monkey god, or may, he's maybe the chosen of the monkey god or whatever. Right. Um but um my maybe favorite episode in terms of just like not that stuff is the one where they go to Santa Prisca and you find out that Deathstroke had a coup and took over the, you know, the League of Shadows from Rachel Ghoul, but that, like, Rachel Ghoul is, you know, he's still hanging out. He's using um, uh, Jason Todd. One of my favorite, like, like Chekhov's guns that never fires in the show is that is that Jason Todd reveal. Or uh, it's not even a reveal. It's that there is a guy there and he just says Grayson's name because, you know, he knows that Nightwing is, is Dick Grayson. Uh, and everyone assumes that's Jason Todd because that, that moment happens in the comics. Um, and, uh, and like, I loved all of that stuff, right? I think it might be the same episode where Ocean Master is going to shoot the house with all of the, you know, the oh, yeah, nuclear yeah. option. And Lady Shiva shows up and she beheads him and she's the new, like, executioner. Or, I'm sorry, an enforcer of the light, which is my favorite. Lady Shiva is a fantastic character who I actually kind of dislike in this role a little bit because it doesn't feel very true to her character. Lady Shiva is kind of like, um, uh, she's sort of like a, like a, I don't know, maybe a, like a chaotic neutral character rather than like a, this is sort of like a lawful evil version of the character she just wants to be the best in the world and she kills people that are better than her right like so she is a villain for batman because batman is a better martial artist than her and so he she is trying to kill him but her goal is just maybe that's neutral evil now that i'm describing it. it's a very selfish goal right but her goal is just to be the best in the world at this thing right and not really anything more you know like the light has obviously grand aspirations for world conquest that don't super fit with lady shiva um but anyway but, uh, um, to, to that point, I, uh, that whole episode I think is so good. To, to that point, one of my like, another one of my favorite episodes is the one where Vandal Savage like tips them off as to where where they've taken like the Violet, which is like one of the you know it's like I think it's episode twenty four. It's like one of the last ones of the season or whatever. So it got a lot yeah. happening. But the idea that Vandal, you know, this is I I've said this before. I do like the kind of like you know you know I might be a villain, but at least I'm a heel. You know you know I I, I might I might be a, a criminal, but I'm an American type. You know like yeah. I mean we get his whole backstory in oh in yeah, this yeah season yeah, right. No. There, there's a whole episode, the one with the bear right. Like yeah. that's the that's the quote that everybody references is that oh has he got to the part yeah, about the, the bear, bear yet? Yeah. Where you learn his backstory, you meet his daughter Cassandra, um, and they daughter. use the world world 
to fight off Starro, actually. Right. Um, right, right. Which that, was like a, you know, it's just like a cute detail. No, it was a great, it was, it's a great detail to watch, like, two weeks after watching the Suicide Squad, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Um, also, the, the detail that, like, apparently... That was like he was like a thing, a, a force that that uh, Vandal Savage had tangled with in the past, in the, mm -hmm. in the distant past. No, I. I yeah, uh, you learned that Naboo is Vandal Savage's son in that, which is also a, that's like a, another thing, right? But like Vandal Savage is Gilgamesh in Babylon, right? When when Starro attacks, and so the original, you know, the original Lord of Order that would become Doctor Fate, right, is actually Vandal Savage's kind of like ascended son who ascended into godhood, I guess, which I think is sweet. I just I love it like going back in time and learning that Vandal Savage is famous people. That's that is a great. No, I just, I, I, any, I agree. It's just everything about that is awesome. Yeah, no, I I really like Vandal Savage's character, right? Like, I, like you know, um, like he, he, like the, the whole the whole kind of like you know, we are like you know, we are humanists first and foremost, right? Which is like a, a theme. I theme I like because it's like relatable in some ways, right? And it's like clever and like you can do clever things with it as opposed to like. Mm -hmm. straight villains which is more of like granny goodness and and dark side is i guess right like um uh, yeah dark side is trying to find the anti-life equation so he can subjugate the entire universe Pfft, what do you do with that that's cool i mean i like that that's cool but it's not like uh i don't know it's yeah. a very it's you know we call those force of nature villains right like sauron is like this where it's just he is evil because that is his fundamental nature and he is you know, effectively a living hurricane when it comes to that, you know? <laughs> like, right, right, right. And, and not only that, but, like, he can't, like, he can't be, like, like, there are, like, evil characters you can reason with, too, but, like, like I don't know, I like the idea of, like, appealing to somebody's, like, like, Vanilla Sandwich feels, I guess, very lawful evil, maybe is the right way to put it, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, you can appeal to, like, their better nature in a way where, where occasionally your motives will align, whereas, like, with, with, like, with like, like you said, like, a force of nature villain, they never will, so... Um. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love every second of it. Especially because it builds and is so deserved, right? Like, you can tell how pissed Vandal Savage is because of, you know, how uh, Darkseid has kind of been... They have this partnership, and Darkseid's kind of been fucking with them a little bit. Like, Three. testing them a little bit. So he's like, oh, you want to go? Let's go then, right? I, I, I just like... Ah, oh, I love all that stuff. In a certain sense, I actually do think that this season wraps better because it puts a pretty neat bow. The, the last episode has a ton of shit going on, right? And has all of these back-and-forth reveals, right? And, and is probably a little too busy. And that's the episode that really feels kind of like in previous seasons was the episode where just, like, everything gets wrapped up too quickly or whatever. But, like, the stuff with Apocalypse, that takes, you know, it takes a couple of episodes, and they happen in you know, in a, in a ramping kind of sequential order that has, uh, that has a lot of stakes. And that is like, I mean, honestly, at the time I remember being really surprised. I was like, wait, there, there are 26 episodes in this season. How are we on episode 24? Yeah. And we're at this like huge climactic moment where like all of the, like Halo is healing everyone while Overlord is killing everyone, which is, you know, creating the anti-life equation or something or whatever. You know, it's, it's a bad thing. And the only people immune to it are the, are the team. And it's up to the young heroes. Like, that's a, that's a season finale, right? Like, you know, but then there's two more episodes after that. 
Yeah, two more episodes where like important shit happens too, right? It's not like, yeah. like a Denouement episode or whatever. Which is which is part of what I. It's not just that important shit happens. It is that the most important shit happens, right? It is about the character drama, right? Um, which I think is cool. Like at the end of the day, the apocalypse stuff is neat, and I I love like this sort of ramping, uh, foreboding nature of it, right? Um, which is just that, like, as, you know, like, as that mystery is unfolding, you're, you're learning more and more about it, and you're just like, oh, shit, like, you know, there's this real sense that, uh, that the kids are playing in the big leagues now, you know? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, the core kind of character tension and character drama is not linked in that stuff. That's all very plot-driven. It's not very character-driven. Um, so having the final episode of the season come back to these sort of core character issues of you know Brion's anger and entitlement um Tara whether or not she's going to betray the team sort of where she's at um you know even just like little things right like Halo um kind of rebelling against uh I'm not rebelling Halo kind of backing away from her relationship with Brion um it's like that's that's core character stuff which I think it's very cool that they ended on that Right. Yeah. The stuff with Jeff also is core character stuff. I like ruined my hair. <laughs> yeah. Is um is the Superboy Superboy embraces his his clone heritage. Is that is that episode twenty four or is that episode twenty six? I forget. That's episode twenty six. Oh wait, wait, wait. The one where he shows it's the one where, it's, it's the one where they the the, the the one where he stands in front like he talked with Forager. Okay, in an yeah, that's episode. in episode twenty six. Yeah. What that is, is also crazy. I mean, yeah. one of the things is Superboy dies in the comics pretty early. Like, he's a member of this Teen Titans run. You find out he's like Luther's dad. It's a whole thing. There's actually, there's like a backstory here. Do you know who Jeff Johns is? Uh, he's like a famous author, right? Famous comic book author. Yeah, so he's like, he's like a famous, and he's kind of more or less the architect of like the modern DC universe, right? For the past like 20-ish years, right? It was mostly kind of Jeff Johns who was like steering the ship. All this stuff with Gog and Magog I was telling you about, that's Jeff Johns. 52, which I've talked about, that's Jeff Johns. The Teen Titans run um, that I was talking about, like that's Jeff Johns. And it, the, the thing with Superboy where he's half Superman and half Lex Luthor is something that Jeff Johns wrote in and it's a moment of literal ascended fandom because there's actually in one of the very first episode or one of the very first um issues of the Superboy comic um there they used to have like write in like letters in the back where like fans would write in letters and there was a there was a, a letter from Jeff J in Michigan at like 13 years old where he was like wouldn't it be cool if you know, the, the human side of Superboy's cloning whatever was actually Lex Luthor. Um, and so he became a comic book art like writer and wrote that in himself, basically. But anyway, Jeff Johns uh, also kills Superboy in the Infinite Crisis like event. Um, so Superboy doesn't really get to like live long enough to realize the character as deep as Young Justice takes him, right? You know, for instance, the thing where he's always 16 is true by the comics. Um, but he obviously, he just dies while still a member of the yeah. Teen Titans. So he does eventually come back at some point though. And I think he's like around in modern comics in some variation. Makes sense. I, I know. Like, but is, yeah. Isn't Superboy Prime like a, is that like a different character? 
That's a different character. Okay. Superboy Prime is uh, so okay. So there's like these different Earths, right? There's okay, Earth yeah, yeah. One, Earth Two. Earth One is where the traditional Justice League stories take place. I think I explained a couple of weeks ago um, how the the reason that Crisis on Infinite Earths is called that is because there used to be these crossovers called Crisis on Earth Two, right? right. Which is when the Justice League which is like the modern incarnation of the heroes, would go team up with the Justice Society, which is like the Golden Age incarnation of those same heroes. So you would get railroad worker who fashions a lantern out of a glowing green meteor that falls in his yard, right? And becomes the Green Lantern, teams up with space cop Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, right? That was, those, those crossovers were always called Crisis on Earth 2 or the, or the evil. Earth, Earth 3 is where the crime syndicate of America is and you have Ultraman, who's the evil Superman, Owlman, who's the evil Batman, that stuff. That's Crisis on Earth 3, where like the Justice League goes and fights their evil doppelgangers, right? Crisis on Infinite Earths is when, in the story, the multiverse gets folded into one continuity, right? One Earth. Um, and one of the Earths that get folded in is called Earth Prime. And Earth Prime has a Clark Kent, but it has no other superheroes. Um, and it's from a very, it was from like a, there's like one comic where Superboy, where the I got he grows up reading Superboy, Superman comics, and his name is Clark Kent, and Superman is named Clark Kent, right? But there's no other superheroes, right? Um, and he eventually realizes that is that he, Clark Kent, and Superman, Clark Kent, are like the same person, and he becomes a superhero. Um, at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, Superboy Prime, the the Superman from that universe, who's just a kid at the time, right, um, is one of a couple of like refugees that is that that hangs over from their alternate universe he doesn't get folded in to the to the rest of the the main continuity and infinite crisis which happens 20 years later um superboy prime breaks out because he thinks that the dc universe has gotten too dark essentially um and he wants to make it good again and then he throws a tantrum because he's a teenager but he's the teenager with like the powers of a god and he ends up going Ape shit and killing lots of people and becomes a supervillain from there. So that's the that's the story in a nutshell of Superboy Prime. It's he's kind of the ultimate. Uh, he 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 eventually ended up in this place where he's like the ultimate version of like the entitled fanboy straw man, right? Where like his, the core conflict in Infinite Crisis is that he read Superman comics, right? He knows who Superman is, but he is watching kind of from this extra dimensional plane. He is watching the, the DC universe on earth play out right in front of him. And he thinks that Superman is acting unethically he thinks that batman is acting unethically right like he thinks that these characters have gotten away from their true selves so this is why he busts out and starts be and being and is and is mad because like the 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 characters who are real people in the story of the comic right are you know are not behaving the way he thinks they should behave yeah okay that makes sense that makes sense um, that makes Comple sense. Yeah, so then in I'll the process of that, he kills Superboy, the Connor Kent, the one that we all know. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And he kills him mostly out of jealousy because he's like, this is the Superboy you've chosen, right, over me. <laughs> you know, I love these episodes because they get to ask you weird, deep DC lore questions. <laughs> yeah, this is like the weird deep lore. This is like <laughs> I, I feel like we very just, like, esoteric. Have, lore. A, have an episode where I just like you know, like or you know have a segment where I like write down questions I have about deep comics lore and just ask you. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's honestly pretty fair. I feels really way this also happens to me with WoW sometimes, where I explain WoW lore to people, and they're just like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah, no. you know, like, oh, you know, I mean, the we, depths. We, we've had this before in the other way too, right? Like um, when we did the Dark Tower, and I read all those fucking Stephen. Oh King my words. gosh! Yeah, you're right. Actually, the Dark Tower episode was exactly that, where it was kind of like the opposite. Yeah, that's very true. God, man, that was a trip. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, to get back on track, um, what other predictions did you make besides Wally comes back? Do you remember? Do you remember? Uh, I don't, and I, I remember that I that I knew I was wrong in the first place because I, I googled it because I because I, I was like, oh, when is, when is he coming back? And I, I like I said, he's gonna come back in season four. Mark my words. Um, <laughs> okay, and that, it might happen. I mean, do you know what? Um, do you know what the so the very last shot of the season is the they ring. like zoom in on the ring. Do you know what the ring is? So I googled it and I, I saw a headline that said something about Saturn Girl. I'm like I don't know what that is. I don't care anymore. Um, uh yeah. So there's a there's a whole man. This is also complicated comics lore. There's a there's no. comics lore called the um. I don't. It's not the Legion of Infinite Worlds. Hold on. Now I need to now I need to Google it. It's it's called the Legion, right? Like there is this Legion. Uh, is it just called the Legion of Superheroes? Um, okay, yeah, it's just called the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Superheroes is this future... They're in the 30th century, right? Um, it is this future group of heroes uh, from Earth, where Earth is kind of this, like, multicultural, right? Like, it takes on people from all over the galaxy, and it hosts this gigantic superhero team who are all teenagers. Um... And they they fight stuff, right? Um, the the core tie between the Legion of Superheroes and the rest of the DC universe is that when Clark Kent is growing up, when he becomes, uh, but like before he is Superman, right? He actually gets, uh, he they come the the Legion of Superheroes use time travel to come back in time to oh uh, so to explain this the reason that Earth is this hub of multiculturalism is because Superman is seen as, like, the ultimate good altruistic person in, in the whole universe, right? And his example gets set. And so the Legion of Superheroes is is sort of, like, his spiritual Superman's descendant, right? Club. Yeah, basically, right? And so the story is that they come back in time to when Superman is just Superboy, right? And they bring him to the future for adventures, right? And they are the ones who teach him how to be a superhero. They teach him how to, like, use his powers and all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of this, like... I mean, it's a, it's a weird break-your-brain cyclical yeah, thing yeah, yeah. Like, where it's yeah, like, how can he inspire them if they inspire him but whatever the case may be that's the that's the story right like he he has all these adventures in his teenage years where he goes to the future to fly around with the legion of superheroes all of the legion of superheroes have a ring and the, the ring has that l on it right like and the, it's called the legion flight ring because it just gives everybody the the ability to fly right um so whatever is happening in season four it is involving the legion of superheroes which theoretically is involving time travel and the crazy thing is and this is another piece of uh, this is another piece of like esoteric lore the crazy thing is one of the things that happens after infinite crisis right where like all of the time oh sorry so Crisis on Infinite Earths takes all the timelines down to one. Infinite Crisis, where Superboy Prime breaks out and all this shit happens, uh, destabilizes that Earth... It's called Earth Prime. Destabilizes Earth Prime and creates 52 
different universes. This is called the DC multiverse, right? This is why the number 52 yeah. is like important in DC lore. Because there are 52 separate universes in the greater multiverse of like DC Comics or whatever. Um, one of the things that happened after Infinite Crisis and those 52 Earths show up is that members of the Legion are on Earth Prime. Which is like the main Earth, right? Um, the the fifty two Earths are. Wait, Earth, sorry, this they is a different are, Earth Prime than the Earth Prime that Superboy Prime comes from. It is technically the same one, but not. So when all of the Earths coalesce in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths, they coalesce on Earth Prime because Earth Prime is a blank slate essentially because it has no superheroes, which is why Superboy Prime gets punted essentially because. The uh, the pr the Earth needs to be a blank slate in order for it all to to coalesce onto it. If that makes sense, right? Then when they balloon out again, Earth Prime is still Earth Prime, right? But there is now an Earth Two, which only has a Justice League or a Justice Society does not have a Justice League. There is an Earth Three that is a crime syndicate, etc. Wait, but does Earth the Prime have Justice League and Justice Society, or just... Yes, yeah. Okay. So Earth Prime is a continuation of the Crisis on Infinite Earths timeline, and some stuff is different. For instance, this is where Batman's son comes from. Uh, that is like a... That's like... there, and, and there's a bunch of stuff like this, where like aspects of the time multiverse get folded into Earth Prime, and stuff gets changed. So for another one of, of this is Jason Todd. Um, Jason Todd being alive is a result of... The infinite crisis like f multiverse fuckery essentially Wait, right like the red hood storyline yeah mm -hmm. and that comes the from the i mean the red hood storyline is actually a little bit more complicated than that in general yeah i'm not, uh, I'm the not red gonna Hoods... have you explain that because i know that's a whole thing okay but, okay yeah. sure 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 that's fine um uh, but yeah so the reason that jason todd is alive uh is because so specifically so okay so superboy prime is stronger than the real superman um, so when he is punching his way, quite literally punching his way out of that dimensional, sort of that otherworldly dimensional prison that I was talking about before, um, he, those punches warp reality. And that's, that's the source of all of this stuff. Right. Um, and is also sort of the reason that like the, the multiverse gets expanded again it's more complicated than ob that obviously but it's the basic reason anyway i have to ask you something okay sure quick. sure sure so why is super by prime you said he's in this like prison thing is he like did they put him there or did he just kind of like get he's he's actually not there alone he opted into going there because otherwise he would have faced oblivion essentially um and he opted into there with three other people um alexander luthor who's like who Luthor's is son? The, it is the lex luthor from earth three which is the crime syndicate universe oh, so is he a good where guy? yeah so he is the, the alexander luthor is the good guy of earth three right like he is the he is noble and altruistic and sure. he is fighting off the the domination of the crime syndicate um he is also in there with the superman of earth two um, who has like a very classic Chet like, S or whatever, and that and that Superman's wife Lois Lane, and part of the reason that this the, like part of the reason this Infinite Crisis stuff happens the way it does is because the Lois Lane, while she is in that pocket dimension thing, um, she she's still aging and she slowly starts dying, and so like they need to break the pocket dimension in order to try and save her life. But they eventually realize the reason that she's dying is because her universe is no longer, and so she's just like kind of like 
decomposing on a... He's like Marty Mc flying out of existence, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that kind of thing. Um, which happens to all of them, except for Superboy Prime. Uh, Alexander Luthor just gets killed. Um, Alexander Luthor is actually the, the, the mastermind of all this, and he is trying to recreate the multiverse, and that's like... He's sort of the, the mastermind behind whatever, and Superboy Prime is kind of his fists if in that in that scenario. Um, and then the Earth 2 Superman dies also doing something else. Uh, but, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the thing I was trying to explain is that after Infinite Crisis, members of the Legion of Superheroes were showing up in the in the regular DC universe, and it was this thing for a while. They were like, "What, what, what's going? Who, what, why, why are the Legion of Superheroes here? Why do they have amnesia? What are they trying to do?" Um, and you eventually find out that they have these lightning rods, which is a callback to an old comic where they make these super special lightning rods, which are just like you know gold sticks that they hold in their hands. And if seven people hold them in their hands and they do a special thing. Um, a bolt of lightning will come down and it will hit all seven of them and it's going to, and it kills one of the seven, right? But it will bring someone back to life. It'll, it'll kill one person, but it'll jolt another person back to life, right? Um, so then they find out that, uh, these, these Legion members have these, the, there are seven Legion members back and they all have these lightning sticks. Um, and also recently in the lore, Wally West had died and been replaced by Bart Allen, who Wally West died, he got sucked into the Speed Force, Bart Allen got sucked out, or got pooped out of the Speed Force as an adult, and Bart Allen is the fourth Flash, right? Um, and then everyone thinks that they are going to use these lightning rods to bring back Barry Allen, the original Flash, who had been dead. Barry Allen dies in the original Crisis on Infinite Earths and stays dead for the next 20 years, right? He is, like, one of the longest-running dead, dead characters in comics, right? Uh, but it turns out that, no, the lightning, the lightning strikes are there to bring back Wally West. So there is an in-universe precedent... For, and by the way, Wally West dies by getting sucked into the Speed Force in the same way that Wally West in Young Justice dies, right? Um, by getting sucked into the Speed Force. So, so there is in-universe precedent for Wally West to come back in Season 4 if the Legion are doing this specific thing with, you know... Yeah, I mean... With, like, the lightning rods or so, whatever. So, this is... is I, I will stake out that this is different than my prediction, and I'm still going to stick by my prediction because you don't leave this open like this. If okay. You're gonna bring him, like if he's like bringing him back from being actually dead is a different thing from like, you know, what he got he didn't die right his body was never found he got terminated or something you know like the the blue beetle suit was like he's going to like cease or something right like he and then yep he did, she doesn't actually talk to him right like it's mark my words he's coming back and it's he's gonna not have been dead <laughs> like I, you know oh, what you know what I bet. I, I'll make a stronger prediction, right? Like, you know there's time travel stuff afoot? That's like a Speed Force-y thing, right? Like, and they haven't talked about the Speed Force in this show yet. I bet you there's Speed Force in the fourth season, and they find, like, Wally West in there somewhere. I would not, you know, I would not be surprised. Um, some other stuff in this season that I wanted to call out, I loved the Suicide Squad in this season. Did you, how did you enjoy the Rocket Red episode where they go to Russia 
to stop oh, them yeah, from yeah. making the Iron Man, and then you you find there's a Suicide Squad. Right, right. I just love the Suicide Squad, and that it is led by Black Manta, who obviously has you know all of this baggage or whatever. I think is super uh, is super neat and super cool. Um, and just like I I think. I hope it's a bigger thing in the future because I think Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad would make a good sort of alternative bad guy to just the light. And we're, we're a little focused on the light. And I think if I had a wish list for season four, it would include a bigger focus on, uh, you know, Amanda Waller, the Suicide Squad. There's actually a whole thing they could do with that. There's a there's a in the comics. There's this thing called Checkmate, who are the um, kind of like MI6, kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. Actually, Checkmate is the, the DC Universe version of S.H.I.E.L.D. Basically, Um and it's and it's and it's uh, it has a public facing branch and a and a black ops branch and they all have names. This is gonna sound corny. They all have names based on chess pieces. So the White King runs the public facing branch, which is a UN agency, by the way, uh, which maybe matters because of all this stuff with like the UN. And then the the Black King runs the special ops unit, right? Um, it, and wait, one of the things, one of, like, one of the deepest Waller? runs on Amanda. Yeah, so Amanda Waller's character, she was the Black Queen for a long time under a puppet Black King, which is that was a, sexist. Are, it was pretty sexist. I was say, like that's like a little on the nose, isn't it? Right? Like, <laughs> well, typically the, the 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 King Queen stuff, the King is sort of almost like on a chessboard, right? Like the King is sort of a figurehead where the Queen is like the the main the enforcer, power, right? right? Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly, right? Like if the King is the president, the Queen is the chief of staff, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So, for instance, um, Alan Scott, who is the original Green Lantern from the Golden Age, the, the railroad worker version of the Green Lantern I was talking about, for a long time, he was the White King, and his White Queen was Mr. Terrific, who's, like, the smartest guy in the DC Universe. Um, that's, like, his superpower. He's just, he's fucking super smart, right? Um, and, uh, and so, like, most of the time, it is, like, the queens that are doing stuff. But then there's also, like, there's knights and rooks and... Uh, you know, Bugs. bishops and stuff like that, and they all have different names and roles, and it's a whole thing. Does it follow the chess rules, or is there like two two rooks <laughs> and two queens, and like, like, yeah, and like exactly what would it be? Would it be yeah, like, uh, they that what's like it's like a it's like a thing of succession, right? Like, um, you know, like the rooks are operative. The rooks and knights knights are like stealth operatives. Rooks are kind of more like um. I don't know, like beat em up operatives. Um, bishops tend to be like public facing people. Um, like before, uh, Mister Terrific was quite queen. He was what he was the white bishop, I think. One of um, two. And there and and the bishops are also there's king's bishop and queen's bishop, in the in the thing, to differentiate them. So Michael was originally White King's bishop, and then he became White Queen and got his own Queen's bishop. And there was this whole thing in the comics. I might be misremembering this, by the way. I haven't read these comics in 15 years. But I, if I remember correctly, there was this whole thing where he went to a character named Sasha Bordeaux, and he was like, I need you to be my new bishop for whatever reason or purpose the series is well regarded um it's written by a guy named greg rucka who i think is a very talented comics writer um he's sort of uh i don't know he's he's great greg rucka's greg, greg, greg rucka's is is spectacular um and uh so i hope that they do stuff with that would be my wish that's not my wish list for season four i want them to introduce checkmate introduce you know 
uh, all of this crazy buddy. shit with like buddy. queens buddy. and white. Buddy, buddy. And, yeah, you're, okay. You're telling me that you want a show that already has too many characters to introduce. <laughs> What, like 48 more characters? <laughs> yes! Yes! No, what, what, so actually, so what I really want to do is I want to just consolidate some of the, um, I, I think in my ideal version, my ideal scenario, you would shave off some members of the Justice League and you would shave off some members of the light into this, right? Like you would create a oh, okay. checkmate that is sort of a political body, sort of like shield that is sort of opposed to the Justice League, sort of opposed to, you know, like the villainy, but they're using stuff like the Suicide Squad. They would have, you know, agents in the field. So this would be a way that, you know, you could do, for instance, um, I wouldn't be surprised if like, I don't know. I can't, I don't know how to explain. I'm not going to write the show for them. Yeah. Do, do checkmate. That's my thing. Do checkmate. Well, it's, it's too, it's too late for them to hear you. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Because most of the, most of the episodes are already in everybody. The big question is what does phantoms mean? Right? Like when you, the, the thing about the outsider, everybody knew what outsiders was because, um, young justice, or I'm sorry, not outsiders. Uh, one of the things that happens in the Justice League comics is that Batman very publicly quits the Justice League and creates his own team called the Outsiders that kind of be behave as his, like, you know, his covert version of the Justice League that has Katana and Metamorpho. By the way, Metamorpho, mm, what an addition. Also, Black Lightning is in there, right? Like, you know, like, so th that stuff is very, that stuff is very consistent, essentially. Um, uh, but th this question of phantoms is like, what does phantoms mean, right? Like, and uh, I don't know. What does Phantoms mean? Phantoms means Wally means... West because he's dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure it's going to be like a thing that means like seven different things. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see it. Oy. I mean, there's a bunch. I, I, you know, I'm I am excited to see it. For all my the things I think are like not so great about the series, I think it's compelling enough to watch, right? Like it's not it's yeah. not so bad that I, I yeah, like I think it is a a fundamentally good show. It's like it's you know there's a uh, there's a term that WoW players use for abilities that just work, specifically with like covenant abilities, right? Sensible shoes. It's like this is just sensible shoes. This is a sensible shoes show. It is not Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, the second coming of the golden age of whatever. And it is also not, you know, Game of Thrones, right? Which sucks horribly, <laughs> or whatever other show we might we might put yeah. in that slot that sucks horribly. Um, it's just a it's a pretty good show. It does pretty good, you know. <laughs> like one last thing I want to say, this is just like a minor thing. Is Forager wanted to fuck that ship so bad, and <laughs> I wanted. I wanted like when, when Static Shock was doing the whole like I need to find a girlfriend thing. I wanted like uh, like a cutaway joke of like you know <laughs> of a forager like like laying on top of the ship. Instead, I tried being oh. like I need to find a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Holy fuck! That's funny. That is a <laughs> yeah. For oh. I think forager I, I really might love be my forager. favorite. Might be my favorite character of the season. I really love Forager. I just, I had a great time every day fucking tuning into the Fred Bug. But I just love the bit with Fred Bug with two Jeez. G's. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, I thought that was awesome. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, oh, anyway, here's to season four, yeah. I guess. What have you been, uh, what have you been up to? Tell me about your week. Oh, my week. My week's been a little bit less game heavy, but I've been listening to a lot of the newest Churches album, uh, Screen Violence. 
Um, oh, you mean Traverches? Traverches, Traverches, yes. My the, the the great the great band Traverches. I don't even know if it's a band. Is it an artist? I no, it's, I'm it's, it's sure band. I would know a song of theirs if I knew. Um. So so the uh, something that I think and something that seems to be, or at least among my friends who listen to them, it seems to agree is that this album is much more like their first albums, their first album than their intervening albums have been, um, which is a positive thing. I have been loving this album. It's kind of been on repeat in the background for me for a while. Um, okay. Yeah, it is. It has been added to the rotation along with the soundtrack for uh, for Inside. <laughs> um, uh, I have actually rewatched Inside like nine times really? just because of the music. I the music gets stuck in my head, and I'm sitting oh, yeah. there. And I'm just like. I'm just gonna put it on the other. It, it is. It's. I. I've described this before about like Man of Steel, for instance, right? Like, just I got nothing to do. I'm farming dailies. I'll just. I want to put something on. That's inside is a little bit like that for me. Uh, to be honest, I skip some some stuff. I sometimes will just skip right to songs because it's just like the songs are that good. No, I, I guess. agree. I agree. Uh, like I know, <laughs> Like I like the album, and I like like um like occasionally I'll just like go to YouTube and just watch White Woman's Instagram, right? Or, like, just watch... Uh, is that, what did we say our favorite songs were? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember what we said, but, like, I, I, I do remember that I said I think the best video is White Woman's Instagram. because I, do I also think the best video is White Woman's Instagram. But the songs that have really grown on me, number one is Shit. Like, I feel like shit. You know, oh. are you feeling what I'm feeling? I love that song, even though it's only two minutes. Um... And uh, and then also uh, problematic, which is kind of my breakout favorite, uh, where just like that whole I don't know why, just like the, that it's filmed as like a it's like a, it's like a like a, a it's like an eighties workout video, which is what the yeah the, yeah, yeah 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 like Maniac. I, yeah. It always reminds me of the yeah. of the you know the the music video for Maniac, which I don't even know why. How how have I fucking seen? How much VH1 did I watch? No, 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 kid you know I saw it, the music video you know for Maniac. You know what it probably really reminds you of is the original parody of that, which is from Hot Rod, when he's doing the training montage in the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah that <laughs> is definitely true. <laughs> I also just think that it's like, I just think the bit in there where he goes, you know, I tried to hide behind my childhood and that's not okay, you know, like, I, where he's apologizing he's for the, the previous, previous verse. verse. Yeah. It's gen I, I, the genius of it. I cannot contain. Um, I don't know. So, yeah, I have also watched Inside a Bunch. Uh, I skip the part where he does, where he like sits at the clock and turns 30 on screen. And I skip some of just like the really depressing, like, oh, yeah, you the, know, the like that's, that's to cam. That's why I like the, uh, the album version. Cause it skips like the intercalary stuff. And like, you get like the, like, like I really like to your point, short songs. I really like, I really like the one where he's like, um, he's like, I'm at an all time low, not Atlanta. And then he like, like snaps and bursts into song for like 30 seconds. I just like, it just like you know uh, burrows into my mind, right? Like the you know uh, way down deep inside me, right? The, the, the whole bit, like <laughs> uh, you know? yeah. I also I think my favorite bit from the show that I never skip, but I like a lot, is where he's like, I've decided I'm just going to work on this forever, and I'm never going to release it, and I'm not even talking to anybody, so fuck you, you know? And then immediately cuts to the reprise of Jeffrey Bezos. And I don't know how I didn't quite catch this the first time, but, like, it now reads so clearly to me as this manifestation of, I don't give a f I'm just coping so I'm just doing crazy shit because he's covered in whatever. The lights are going nuts behind him, you know, and he's just screaming into the microphone <laughs> about Jeffrey Bezos. And you can tell that, like, this is just, like, 
the noise that he is generating himself to drown out the anxiety or whatever. And I don't know. I, I find that moment hilarious and fun, and I love it every time. <laughs> it's great. It is so good. Um, but yeah, um, you know, you, you with, know what else I've been watching? I've been watching a lot of. Well, I, finish your finish your before we go on. Oh, I mean, it just no. I I like the new album. Um, and if you like the first album but didn't like the later albums, give this give this album a, a listen. The music videos are also fairly trippy. Um, so. Uh, Give him, like, what is the song from Traverches that I would know offhand? Uh, Mother We Share. Mother We Share. I want to like go look at that. I think that's up. the name of the album, too. Um, uh, because, like, I've seen, t- I, I, I feel like I've seen on Twitter. And it's like a thing where you're like, is that a typo? It's also the E is weird. The E is the three lines. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's stylized. But, like, when you, like, so, this is actually really funny. I was trying to use my voice commands to get my phone to pe- play it while I was driving. And I was like, play Churches on Spotify. It's like, there's an artist named Church, and they were playing that. So I was like, play Traverches. <laughs> and they were like, playing Trevor Cheese. Um, <laughs> and then, finally. Oh, my God. Finally, I said, play Churches with a V, and that worked. That, so, wow. Yeah. You know, good job. My thing with Spotify that I do now is uh, I have what's called the workshop, the DW workshop, which is I go to my Discover Weekly. I copy everything in my Discover Weekly into the workshop. And um, so, okay, I have a couple of different playlists. I have Chill, which is the master, master playlist, has everything, right? Um, which is sort of, uh, honestly, it's kind of like my life's work at this point. Like a ton of my friends actually subscribe to that playlist because it's sort of like famous, right? I used to have a Pandora playlist in high school. That was this playlist, essentially. And then I eventually transferred it over to Spotify, and I brought as many of those songs into it, right? And whenever I find a, a song that is good for the chill playlist, like, I add it to the chill playlist. And then there's New Chill, which is, um, I think of it like, did you ever did you ever have a CD player, like a, like a Walkman? Yeah. And you had to, like, burn your own CDs? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever do anything? Yeah. yeah, so I did that, and one of the things about burning your own CDs is that you can only do it... Um, you have to be about 80 minutes, right? That's as much, yeah. you know, that's as many MP3s as will sit on a CD play or like on a, a on CD a CD wrong. that you burn, yeah, yeah. right? This is all this is also like archaic. This is like from a moment in time that is like very lost. I feel like, um, and so I try and keep the new chill playlist to about that length because I feel like that's a good length for you know like repeating, right? Like where songs circle back on themselves, that kind of thing. So when I'm in the DW workshop. I am listening to the songs that Spotify is recommending to me. And if I like a song, I'll put it on chill. If I really like a song, like I know I'm going to like, I'm going to want to spam that song. I put it on new chill. chill and then I delete it out of the workshop so that the list goes from 30 because your discover weekly every, every week is 30. And it just like slowly kind of like clips down to, you know, you, you, you pass judgment on all the songs. Sometimes at the end of the week, I just delete everything that's left in the thing because you know, like it hasn't grabbed me enough by that point, right? Um, and it's become this like ritual where every Monday I'm always really looking for. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck the new Discover Weekly is in. Let's go! Like, <laughs> so this is interesting. So they just announced a new feature where they'll do like like a friends blended playlist. We should maybe look into doing that and see see what pops out for us because we've got like. So, some some ways similar and some ways very different musical taste. I, I wonder what it would produce for us. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like your tastes are a little more high tempo. You like your tastes oh, are yeah. a little more on the EDM side, and mine are like because I I think of chill as my main mode of music at this point, right? Outside of I guess like yeah. anything I would be singing, right? Um, whereas it used to be very split between chill and metal. Like I, I I had my death metal side and then my like chill side, 
but now I just like barely listen to metal ever ever anymore. Uh, I wonder what that's about. I'm sure a psychiatrist could tell me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I would be interested to see though, because like you're, you're right, I do listen to a lot more up tempo stuff. Although a little bit more lately, this is funny too. It's like I'm less into like the like drum and bass um, or like um, hard style, which is like when I was younger, that was like the state stuff I was really listening to, which is like up tempo and like heavy hard beats. Whereas now it's like it's still mm-hmm. up tempo, but it's um, future funk, which is like um, a little bit softer. A little bit more wavy, still a little bit higher tempo, but like, it's a different kind of. Yeah, vibe. I I have found myself. I am I am living this. The, I am living Patrick's dream. You know where the episode of SpongeBob where Patrick says that to be an adult you have to discover a taste for freeform jazz. I have been getting more and more jazzy, and I get more and more jazz recommendations. Um, but I really fucked myself the other day because on my Discover Weekly was a song by uh, a blues guy. Do you know Dr. John? Have you ever heard of Dr. John? I don't think so. He's like a blues, he's like a, a minor blues guy out of New Orleans, right? He's, he's on a couple of albums, he tours and everything like that, but like you and I would never have heard of him. The only reason I know of him is because he's my dad's favorite, like, wor- working artist, like, working artist. And I heard, and on my Discover Weekly was this Dr. John song, and I was like, holy shit, why do I know this voice? Why do I know this song? And I realized, I was like, oh my god, it's my dad, <laughs> like, <laughs> Which was the, like, am I turning into my dad? Oh no! <laughs> like, so, so my oh. version of this is is a uh, place that I go back to a lot. Is I have a radio set up for um, Mr. Blue Sky, and that's just kind of mm. like oldies, like you know, like radio oldies music, which is like you know the, the stuff I listen to with my dad, right? Like it's like, like oh, here's uh, here's fucking like Hall and Oates, and like you know, uh, my dad's tastes are a little bit different, but like you know, sometimes we'll get like CCR in there, which is a very like dad song, right? Like we're like, you know, uh, do you listen to Bruce at all, Bruce Springsteen? You're just yeah, I mean, yeah. like me, right? So like yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, my dad's favorite thing is like the Grateful Dead, but obviously, like the Grateful Dead don't exist anymore. Or I guess maybe they do, but they just don't have Jerry Garcia. Um, so like, uh, anytime of like a Grateful Dead song, it just like it's like a whoosh moment, you know, kind of. Um, yeah, but was you saying? How do we, we get on this? We were talking about music. Uh, we were talking yeah. about inside um, and traverses. Uh, but you said you were watching. Yeah, and traverses. You said you were watching something this week. What were you watching? Yeah. Oh, so I've also been watching Scrubs. How much of have, have you like? Have you seen Scrubs? Is Scrubs part of the like? I I feel like there's this canon of like The Office, Parks and Recreation is kind of like the back half. Community is kind of the back half. But Scrubs is also sort of in there. But like nobody ever talks about Scrubs. So I really like Scrubs. And at some point, I watched, like, all of, like, I watched, like, the first, like, six or seven seasons. And I think I stopped, not on purpose, but just coincidentally, right before, like, the, the, the fuckiness of the last couple of seasons. Um, yeah. Um, but, yes, I have watched a lot of it, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Scrubs is also a very New Jersey thing, right? Zach Braff went to my high school. He's from Maplewood. and uh, Or maybe State. South Orange, I don't know. He yeah, and then also uh, Dr. Cox is from Milburn. Really? Um, I did not know mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah, he, well, weirdly enough, my ex-girlfriend's mom, who is from Milburn, um, she went to high school with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a couple of friends of the cast from Milburn. Like, you remember uh, Mike Zicardo from Hopkins? He went to Milburn. Um, shout out to Mike Z. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, interesting. Lots of, uh, lots of Jersey folks. But anyway, what, what, yeah. what were you 
I don't really have any complex thoughts about it besides it is very much like comfort food. Also, it's funny watching a show like that grow up immediately, right? Where it's like before they're all using these pa they're all using pagers, but now I'm in season six, which must be. 2006 2007 right and everyone has cell phones right and cell phones are a big you know like a big piece of the puzzle um and it's just like funny watching that that also happened with friends um where you sort of like grow up over time and get to like sort of like watch the technology uh like watch the technology unfold unfold but the funniest thing is they have an a whole episode dedicated to the iraq war did you ever did you ever see this one where it's like um uh Somebody just, I think they, they're treating like an Iraq war veteran or whatever. And it, there are a couple of people in the hospital who are like Republicans. And they're like, oh, we're, you know, <laughs> we're giving freedom. We're bringing freedom there. We, we stand up for democracy. And then there's a, there's a bunch of, you know, like Democrats, like liberals who are like, oh, the military industrial complex. And I was like, holy shit. No, but I, I can't think of another, I can't think of another TV show that actually actually address the Iraq war in vaguely concrete terms in the same way that like scrubs apparently had this whole fucking episode. I think part of that is an attempt to like make things timeless, right? Like if you don't like, yeah. like so this is, this is actually kind of funny, right? Cause you're talking about things that definitely anchor things in time um, without that. Right. Which is kind of like technology stuff, right? Like, like the famous example is Seinfeld, like, you know, how many plots of Seinfeld could be resolved if people had cell phones type stuff. Even though, mm -hmm, yeah. like, the actual contents of those plots, for the most part, do not anchor them. Although, I guess, like, the AIDS march would anchor it in a specific place and time. But even then, it's, like, irreverent. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, that's, I don't know. I really liked, uh, so, uh, I bet you can guess who my favorite character on Scrubs was. Todd! No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I can guess who your favorite character in Scrubs was. Now I'm, like, now I have to think about it. Because I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, uh, never mind. I guess I'm not. Was it the janitor? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I told you. Okay, good. <laughs> that was, when you said it, well, to be honest, my first instinct was to yell, Todd, <laughs> because I thought that would be funny. But then my second instinct was the janitor. But then I was like, wouldn't it be the janitor? I love the janitor. He's I don't know. I, I like to think of myself as Turk. I, I feel like I have a lot of JDs in my life, and I am the Turk to a number of different JDs. <laughs> <sighs> Interesting. Yeah. Does that does that make uh does that make Rachel uh uh um, Carla? Carla. I, to be honest, that's a part of it, right? Like they get together right off the bat and are just together for yeah, the entirety and, and of the, the you know like the show. Um, and they have it's a pretty solid relationship, right? Like this is like yeah. the, the curse of sitcoms, right? Is like you have to keep splitting the characters up because otherwise you don't have like good fodder for the episodes. Um, yeah, it, yeah, that's exactly it, right? Like I just I don't know I. And, and there's also something to the kind of, like, bromance between Turk and JD that is also very, like, relatable uh, when it comes to just, like, two guys being friends. I feel like this is maybe one of the first, like, dude, like, male-male friendships that really captures the kind of friendships that I have with, like, you know, like, Charles Powell, for instance, right? Yeah. Like, he and I, and w that, that's an obvious thing, right? Like, he and I both watched Scrubs and talked about this before, right? But, you know, just, like, that kind of... Uh, that kind of a friendship is a it's something that like I felt like really only really only scrubs kind of captured accurately. Maybe a little bit community between Abed and Troy, but like obviously Abed and Troy are a little infantilized which 
Yeah, I don't know. yeah, no, it, it, it's interesting because like that type of camaraderie doesn't usually come out in like a fun way, right? Like that's kind of usually kind of like a you know brothers in the trenches type thing, which is a lot more serious. Yeah. Um, it's also or like one brother or like uh, like like Joey and Chandler. I also think kind of live this, but, but like I also think that there's a meanness to it where like Chandler's making fun of Joey a lot, but like Joey's just too stupid to realize, which th- that doesn't feel right to me. Like no, that kind of feels mean. I wonder how um, I wonder how much of this is like. So like this is this is the thing that you hear about today is or you hear about in in current shows, which is like any two guy characters who are who are uh, like friendly, like get kind of accused is the wrong word, but like, you know, you kind of like either shipped or like, you know, people think that they're like gay together. And there's sometimes there's a pushback. that's like, you know, no, people can be friends without being gay together. Right. But I wonder yeah. if like pre like nineties, if they didn't want to show that because they didn't want to be accused of that when that was like, you know, not essentially not, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I know there's, and I also just think that like, there's definitely like a no homo kind of relationship yeah. to like Jerry and George, God, what's his name? George. Yeah, I was thinking, Jay, uh, like, the actor is Jason Alexander, but, you know, Jerry and George, right? Like, you know, like, they're friends. I buy them as friends. I buy them even as best friends? Maybe? I, I don't know. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's a part, part but of the like, two is that style of sitcoms all about, like, the people being, like, bastards, right? So, like... Yeah. Like, like the characters are not good people, so, like, you don't you don't have to lean on them, like, being true friends as much, right? Like, or, like, like Frasier and his brother in the... Frasier and Niles. Frasier, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, Frasier and Niles is that exact same kind of... I mean, I guess they're brothers. So oh, yeah, no, that, like, that's the workaround, right? Like, you make them you make them family, so, so like, you have the excuse, right, without, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's funny because like I mean I I've you don't agree with me. I watched a bunch of the Big Bang Theory, and I think that even though the Big Bang Theory is a bad show, it very accurately captures what it's like to be in a nerd friendship, right? Like I think that if we were to take our friend group and like relate it to a TV show, it would be well actually it would be Silicon Valley first, but at the time Silicon Valley wasn't a thing. <laughs> the Big Bang Theory actually captures what like our friend group was like. I feel like the closest. So so the problem I have with it is like, is it was probably the closest at the time, but it was still like a caricature, right? Like mm-hmm. like you know like is um. No, I definitely agree yeah. with that. I mean, and also I don't know. There, there's something to the sort of. Uh, I have a lot of problems with Big Bang Theory, obviously, but that one thing is was like very true to life, which I thought was just like whoa. <laughs> like, I still I still think Ben Wyatt is the best nerd on tel or was the best nerd on television. Um, yo, so I I would, well, I don't know that I would agree in a modern context, but I would definitely agree that he is a good nerd. But I think that the friendship of Ben Wyatt to everyone else in Parks and Rec is different. Oh yeah, no, I agree like he that. is a nerd among. Normies, yeah. essentially, no, right? Whereas right. Big Bang Theory is a group of nerds. Silicon Valley are a group of nerds. Silicon Valley is really the best one of these. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's true. Um, although I haven't kept up with the later seasons. Um, yeah, I only watched the first five seasons. I don't like Silicon. Silicon Valley is um, honestly, it's like a little too weirdly like anxiety-inducing because they constantly have this like push and pull between you know like abject desolation and failure and runaway success that just like is hard for me to manage (laughs) i mean so i have um i'm not in that world really anymore and like but i know some people that still are and like that's kind of the startup world right and i was never really in like a a super early stage startup so i can't speak to it but like from my understanding that's kind of you know you're either like one minute you're on top of the world the next minute you're like you're fucking done and you know the company goes under in three months and you're fucked right like so yeah um so at least they got that right 
Um, but, uh, on my end, in terms of like comedic television, I have been watching a. I think it's a, it's either a British or a New Zealand or an Aussie show called Taskmaster, um, which is like it's like a game show, but like the contestants are all comedians in like kind of the grand tradition of like you know the British, you know United Kingdom or the Empire. I'm gonna call them Empire style game shows, right? Um, and it's just like so like they make them do these like dumb tasks and they're funny while doing it and i have laughed my ass off for like the past week just watching clips from it so i i, I, I have i have heard about taskmaster actually i've heard that yeah. it is funny um i've also i have you have you heard of uh ted lasso i, I keep have. seeing people talk about ted lasso I, I have as well um so i have heard of it in the context of when the first season i heard was very good i've heard the second season isn't as good but it's also on Apple TV Plus, which I don't have any plans to get access to. So, I the the my problem with this is that I got access to Apple TV Plus to watch Greyhound. You remember like the World War II movie, which is a great movie, perfect. It's like Tom Hanks directed it. It's just about a destroyer escorting a you know a, a transport convoy in the U-boat infested waters of 1942, World War II, right? Um, just like the cat and mouse of the submarine, very technical. You know, you they're plotting courses and trying to figure out, oh, we're, maybe the submarine is here. Well, we got to do all this stuff, right? Great movie. I did the thing where I got the free trial and then canceled it immediately. I watched that and then I like didn't do anything ever. So I can't, I, so I don't have a free trial anymore um, to Apple TV. But part of me wants to like, I don't know, like go make like a dummy email address or something. Get the free trial, like binge the shit out of Ted Lasso. I also secretly want to watch Mythic Quest because I, I am told that it well. is. Yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for I, I am told that it is good, but I'm told that it's very hard to watch if you work in game development because it's like too real, you know? Like, oh, so like the opposite of Free Guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of the opposite of Free Guy. There's a clip actually. Oh. There's a clip where the 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 community manager of the like of the game shows up. And the community manager um, is like giving a, giving a presentation to like a bunch of little girls. There's like a like little girls getting into getting into tech kind of thing, and um, and one of the masks is like, "Oh, what's your job?" She's like, "Well, you know, it's my job to talk to the players, and our players get really mad, and you know how when you get really mad at your mom, you you, you scream into the pillow. Well, I'm the mom." And I'm also the pillow. It's just like, oh my god, uh, it's it's too real. Uh, uh. Speaking, so I saw that like, apparently Free Guy has been like a pretty great box office success. Like it's like like um, and this makes me sad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yep, I get it. Uh. Oh, um, before we, I we're, we're towards the end of the time, so we'll, we'll we'll bop out soon, but. You know, you know, we've been doing this kind of like, um, you know, Mango asks buddy questions about the uh, DC universe. Um, sure. Whenever Dune comes out, like, fucking, <gasps> I'm on, I'm on God Emperor, and like, my, my thought is that God Emperor is the book that Frank Herbert really wanted to write, but he needed three books of setup in order to like get people to understand <laughs> what he was doing with God Emperor. And, like, shit starts to oh. get weird at the end of Children of Dune, which is the third book. Um, and God Emperor, God Emperor is basically like a political treatise, um, but through like these like weird, like this, the weird world of Doom. Um, so you know, wow. I don't want to. I don't want to give too much away, but like it's, it's like, what was I thinking about earlier today? Like, 
if Dune is like the Matrix, God Emperor of Dune is like the Matrix Reloaded in term in the, the idea that like it's like super cerebral and like not really that much about the action, but very interesting if you think about it. But probably not as good of like a single package as the original Dune is. So, I'm actually really excited for that movie too, just because like it's a great story. I like Denis Villeneuve. You know, this is my most anticipated movie of the year at this point. I think. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I have heard horrible things, uh, vaguely. Really. So, I'm re I'm interested. Yep, the my Twitter timeline obviously has like a lot of like film critics and stuff like that, and a lot of people did the kind of vague tweeting uh, okay. about. Uh, yeah, I've seen some stuff Doom. too. So, I've, I've seen some stuff as well. we'll see. And there's like some very easy criticisms you could have made of the original book that I'm seeing come out. Um, kind of like you know, uh, like there's like a there's like a colonialism thing that's like, you know, this book was written in like the 70s, right? So like, um, that like you know, it, there, there's a whole thing there. Um, It'll be interesting to see, but uh, I'm excited. Um, oh, what else? Um, so, if we can find time, we might do an early episode this week, but no promises because um, we are. Not yeah, we were supposed to. We were we were thinking about doing Shang Chi, but uh, timeline is not working out super well in our favor. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but with that, and do you want to talk about anything else before we get out of here? Uh, the one other thing I want to mention is that I've been playing Pathfinder Kingmaker the Owlcat Games game. Um, and I kind of feel like we should do a whole episode on it, but, like, I also don't know what kind of availability you have to just, like, deep dive into a game like that. Um, so, do I, 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 I vaguely got into this because, I, you know, I, I talked a while on the podcast, like, a long time ago, about how I bounced off of this game because of this Uncanny Valley problem of it was Pathfinder that was not... Pathfinder. It was like Pathfinder that was not turn-based, right? So it was using all of these rules, but it wasn't using turns and, like, the grid and stuff like that. And how I just, like, couldn't deal with it. My brain could not wrap around that. So I really, like, I churned um, pretty quickly. But they have since added a turn-based mode, uh, which I learned about because their new game came out. Wrath of the, Wrath of the Righteous just came out. Um, so... Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm playing it, and it's fucking... It is like crack. It is very good. I'm having a great time. Interesting. Um, they have the mythic rules in that, right? Because that was the whole thing in the original AP. I, I ran a portion of the original AP for some people out in San Francisco. I have no idea about Wrath of the Righteous. My assumption would be that they have the mythic rules, but who knows? They had a, they oh. have all the kingdom-building stuff. Oh. This is the crazy thing about Kingmaker. Kingmaker has all of the ki of the city building stuff and i ran most of king break king kingmaker like as a campaign with some people um which is funny because like you can see where they added things and subtracted things and kept it the same right to kind of like make it you know like to kind of like make it work um but uh but yeah so i haven't touched wrath yet i don't know what's in wrath. My, my, my apologies i thought you had said that you would you, you would picked up wrath my, my my bad yeah um i mean i'm sure i i would not be surprised if there was myth, uh mythic stuff in there but yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, so I played an entire game of Kingmaker. Um, I think like in my f in in my master's year of college with some of the people that, that we, we used to play with, um, and uh, I like um, I remember the city building stuff being kind of like, bleh, right? Like we basically like solved the city building thing during one session and then like never touched it again. Um, and I always felt like a thing that was, like, better suited to, like, a solo kind of, like, optimization problem that's not super fun to do as, like, a collaborative activity around a table. So it makes Yeah, it is incredibly – I actually think that uh, – I think my hot take here is that Pathfinder, at least Pathfinder 1.0, is – 
better realized through computers than it is played as a game with friends, right? Like all of the stuff that you do to chuck out rules that you don't enjoy work really well and really seamlessly on on the computer, right? Like when the computer is just kind of like running the back end of everything, um, which I don't want to say surprise me, but it did surprise me in a way. Um, not everything is one to one the same. It still doesn't use a grid, but it still does have rules for like flanking, sneak attacks, all that stuff, um, initiative or whatever. I've been playing entirely in turn-based mode, though you can actually pull it out of turn-based mode, uh, which seems nuts to me. Uh, but you know, hey, you know, yeah. this is one of those things where I feel like the genre is just like. I, I played the original Baldur's Gate, but I don't really remember it too well, to be honest with you. And um, it was before I had ever, like, gotten into D&D. So um, I, I, I don't have a good basis for kind of, like, the CRPG rule set outside of, you know. Yeah, I mean, the thing was is that Baldur's Gate and, like, Neverwinter Nights were, like, on AD&D or, like, like, like second edition or, like, it, it was, and, like no, Baldur's Gate was AD&D. I thought it was 3. I thought it was 3.0. I think, or maybe Neverwinter Nights is three five. Baldur's oh, Gate, Neverwinter Nights is three right. five. Uh, uh, I think Baldur's Gate is AD and D. Okay, I think you're right. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, like, and to, to your point, I th I think that like kind of the general thing, and this is something where I'm finding out with my with my uh, with my groups as we move from computers to in person, is that like, um, like even Pathfinder two E is like just a little bit heavy that like like if like you have enough mechanics, it's like kind of a paint track stuff. But like when the computer handled it, it was much nicer and i think i've said this before but like my hot take is like the thing that i think is gonna would blow up really well is like a hybrid a, a, a hybrid like computer computer game slash a uh, tabletop where like the computer handles the, the calculations you can do more complex things with the math so you don't have to like voice that on the players to do um what the closest thing to this that currently exists i think is um divinity um original sin um, and original sin too. I actually feel like you could do it with a phone app. I've always, I've always oh, wondered yeah. if you could do this, where you have a phone app. Like, imagine you, you have a phone app. You connect five people's phones. You're all sitting next to each other, right? But you, um, as things are changing and as stuff is happening, right? Like, I can say, okay, I'm the bard. I cast. Or I, I use, is a standard action or whatever, Inspire Courage, and I click a thing on my phone, and that updates everyone else's to get the plus two competence bonus. And it also checks, you know, like, one of the other things that happens all the time is people are adding multiple bonuses of the same type or whatever, right? Like, all that kind of shit, right? Like, the computer hypothetically checks for all of that. The computer will remember, you know, your GM says, okay, you're shaken, boom, clicks a thing four rounds or whatever, you know, and, the, and like, having the computer offload a lot of that stuff, I think, would... would yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, get I think sure. I think a lot of this is an interface issue too, because like well, my because we had been playing online for a year. What my in person group did is um, the GM bought like a cheap television and just puts it, you know, back down on the table, and he puts the grid on the television, and we put our minis on top of the television, right? Um, and we still roll dice, and we haven't fully automated it or, or whatever. But like in terms of like map management, in terms of like keeping tracks of like you know you've got an initiative tracker right there. Um, if you want to mm -hmm. do the roles like that, you couldn't quite do it as, as you're saying, and I think you've got the right idea there. Is like, you like, like an optional screen in the middle, and like four phones, and you know, um, yeah, no, I. But like my my, I think the big thing will be like a system specifically designed for that, because like all the systems yeah. right now are designed to be handled by mental math, and I think you could mm -hmm. you could do like cool stuff if you let the math kind of be handled by the back end. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you a lot. All right. Well, okay. we're over time. We should 
jet out of here. If you want to uh, tell us what you thought about Young Justice Season 3 or any of the other things we talked about in the podcast, you can reach us at gmail.com or podcast.com. Watch twitch.tv slash games. Uh, you can, uh, when these go out live, you can follow us on YouTube and uh, rate review us on everything. We've, you know, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on, I think we're on Spotify, yeah, we're on Spotify. Um, uh, that's uh, everything I have. Buddy, you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. Well, in that case, until next time, go listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.